Hey, hopefully, Yay. hopefully all we of this is it. working. I don't know the feedback loop on this, so we are going to see. Actually, I can test this a little bit. Hello, everybody uh, who is listening. Pardon my technical nonsense. Oh, good. It automatically went to pairing mode. I just have to double check to make sure that you guys can hear us. If you can hear us, please let me know. Uh, so, testing it on another device. Yeah. Okay, cool. It sounds good. I can hear me. All right. Okay, cool. Gangster. Awesome. <laughs> uh. I might, I might make it to the end. It's actually for my Bear Republic Racing team. Um, oh yeah, you're wearing yeah. a Star Trek shirt. I'm wearing my Star Trek. Yeah, that's what Alexa just said. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's let's fucking mute this because <laughs> I can't hear myself with a 10 second <laughs> delay. That that is that is. Um, ferocious and making me insane. So, okay, cool. Sorry, that was like incredibly distracting. So, welcome heathens and witches to our one year anniversary of the Horn and Cauldron podcast. podcast. I'm John Norgrove. This is Julie Norgrove. Everybody knows the bit. Theoretically, I'm recording this in high enough fidelity that it can turn into a good episode of a podcast. We'll see what happens. We're hoping so. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't 100% on a bunch of this. So that sounds good. So, um, yeah. It's been a year. It's been a year. I think it's been a dope year. Thank you to all of yeah. our our friends and fans. I would call them and friends patrons. at this point, yeah, point in time. Yeah, everybody's basically And patrons and all that. Um, yeah, we're just gonna, we're gonna jump into some questions. We're just kind of yep. gonna hang out and, um, and, you know, we can talk in the chat. Can I respond? I can respond in the distant chat over there but not in this chat over here. Okay, cool. I'm streaming through OBS and I have only ever successfully done this with Twitch. YouTube has always <laughs> confounded me. And yet here we sit. I have like five instances of YouTube running on my fucking computer right now <laughs> to verify that this is working. Because let me tell you what, it wasn't working. Check this out. I also have like a little be back yeah. soon thing we have like a little be back soon technical difficulties thing yep okay cool that just crossed over on the live stream <laughs> there's a delay between this and the actual live stream which i can see only ferociously angeringly so Although, like really it's a less of a delay than we normally have for the episodes because we normally record an episode and then like a day and a half it's it's up and live yeah so yeah so it's way more live than ever before okay yeah. so uh first uh, I'm we're gonna give a shout out to our patrons because we're gonna make make this like a real thing after it's done being this live thing. Man, I hope I did that right. Yeah. So if you want to uh, re-listen to this episode, um, or if you uh, did not attend the live stream, this is gonna be um on YouTube for people to rewatch or watch if it's their first time, and uh, also on our podcast networks yeah. so you can listen to it. So, yeah, and we've got some questions that people have submitted to us, but we also are totally okay with taking questions from the YouTube chat. Yes. So, yes. So yeah. we will take questions from the YouTube chat. 
that's fine. but I can't see them from over here because on the far far end of his side of things so he's gonna have to repeat those out loud for me. yeah is that easier to see no that's still difficult <laughs> no, it's as hell definitely to see, not huh? it's yeah. definitely not easier to see <laughs> yeah that's fine that's fine okay it's fine it, 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 whatever okay so uh first shout out to our patrons Alan Miranda Helena and Alexa you guys are the best Thank Keep you up being so much. awesome. You Happy Yule and to all do that. what we do and better every time. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. on to the first question. We're just going to get right into it and, and see where the day goes. Yep. So yep. on to the first question. What's our first question? So our first question is from Miranda. And she asks, what is the difference between Wicca and paganism? Do you have to practice Wicca if you're into witchcraft? And can you practice witchcraft and be pagan? So this is actually a super interesting question and it is in the works for us to do like deep dives on other forms and other like schools or practices of magic as we go along. Um, so we're, those will be kind of like greatly interspersed because it takes a lot of work for me to do that kind of research and like summarize an entire like like theological religion in an hour and a half. <laughs> so <laughs> Wicca, there is a deep dive on Wicca that will be coming. I do not know when. Um, fingers crossed we win the lotto and that will be sooner rather than later. But um, so Wicca in and of itself was created in the early 1900s and it was introduced to the public by a guy named Gerald Gardner and um, was also largely written by Doreen Valiente and it was introduced to the public in like the mid 50s uh, and they're Brits also so there's sort of a definition difference between British Wicca and American Wicca but originally they called it witchcraft. And we don't really know entirely where the term Wicca came from, like who coined that term for this particular practice. But the word is derived from the old English word for witch. Um, and the male form of that word is Wicca, so W-I-C-C-E instead of A. Um, and Wicca has sort of like a... Um, an interesting history because it's bounced back and forth between meaning broadly witchcraft or meaning very specifically the belief system that Gardner created. Um, and originally it was sort of like a nature-based religion that focused primarily on the god and goddess. So um, lady and lord or triple goddess and horned god. And then we've also got the, the holly god in there. And then there's mistletoe. There's a whole bunch that, but but it basically boils down to god and goddess. Uh, it's now sort of it, it changed into a primarily female-centered deity belief system. But there are a lot of different subchapters of Wicca. So if there are any Wiccans listening going like, that's not my Wicca, that's, that's okay. Because your Wicca is different from somebody else's Wicca, is different from somebody else's Wicca. Oh, yeah. And um, really kind of the core belief system of Wicca is that... Um, is this eight word Wiccan read? Um, uh, so it is, and it harm none, do what you will. So eight words the Wiccan read fulfill, and it harm, harm none, do what you will. And that term was coined by Doreen Valiente, who co-created this religion with Gardner. And she first said that in 1964. 1964, so yeah. like less yeah. than 100 years ago. Um, now, this is not to be confused with do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That was a quote from Aleister Crowley, and that happened in the early 1900s. Alistair. Or Aleister Crowley. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of um, 
what's that show? Not Hell of a Boss. Has Been Hotel. Um, <laughs> is there Alistair Crowley in that too? It is. It yeah. is. Aliester is just close to Taliesin, like Taliesin West, where after the world gets stolen and returned and stolen and returned again, that's where, you know, what? the Mother of Awakenings studies with the greats to become oh. an architect. Do you not remember? I have the, no the idea what you're Hyperion Contos in its entirety. Oh, I have no, read, I I have read the Hyperion Contos so many times, <laughs> and that book resonates with me so much that i just legit know everything about that book <laughs> it's like legit uh it's up there with star trek for I, me I, it's with just, regard it's to like for me to remember that stuff i'm really bad at quotes i'm so bad at quotes yeah like i literally have a quote <laughs> tattooed on me and i am the worst at quotes but that's it's own thing it's a i get lord it lord of the rings thing I get it. anyway so that's kind of like the basis of wicca and so it, the difference between wicca and paganism and even witchcraft and wicca and paganism is kind of like the jacuzzi hot tub thing so all jacuzzis are hot tubs but not all hot tubs are jacuzzis yeah. so all yeah. wiccans are pagans at least in part right some people duel this religion stuff and they consider themselves like a christian wiccan or something along those lines sure, um sure. so all wiccans are pagans but not all pagans are wiccans and also all people who practice witchcraft are not necessarily wiccans but all wiccans generally yeah. practice witchcraft not everything with wicca <laughs> is about witchcraft and is about spells but that's kind of where the wicca thing is so you could be a pagan and not be a wiccan that's totally fine that's exactly me um, in the early nineties, it really sort of shifted focus, um, between like, um, between like Lord and Lady to like very female centered. And there are some other deities that Wiccans do worship from time to time or call upon in their things. And they have a fairly structured, um, type of ritual that you do as well as this is really the team of people who popularize the Sabbaths. Yeah. Before the Sabbaths were kind of like whatever, um, and you didn't, you certainly didn't well, they, have eight of. Them. I, I don't. Yeah, I I wouldn't even go so far as to say necessarily popularized, but sort of they sort of like, um, they sort of hardened the steel of what Sabbaths are. They yeah. So, okay, Wicca is one of those infinitely complex questions where within like you're kind of you're kind of asking to put your foot in your mouth when you talk about it if you're not like whatever the particular. <laughs> audience members <laughs> form of wicca it is so like like as a kid participating in like wicca and and, and wiccan and 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 like all that kind of stuff like whenever i like somebody mentioned it or or we were talking about it or something like that because i grew up in a very like religiously open household um i mean i remember there being a whole thing where like wicca is different than like wiccan which is different than witchcraft yeah and, like i remember those yeah. those discussions and like I rem like I knew people when I was young where Wicca and Wicca and Wicca was like a was like a specific term for generalized witchcraft, which is not the case. Yeah. But like that's the way it was interpreted by people like in the 90s. Uh, if we remember those times. Um, <laughs> well, also back in the 90s, that was pretty much the only witchy. It was it was certainly like the hottest thing it was, was like Wicca. Everything was Wicca. What are you reading thing. runes? Wicca. Like everything yeah. was correlated to Wicca because it was like the hot, it was like the hot newness, even though like it wasn't new, but it was only like a hundred years old. So yeah. 90 years old. So uh, there was like that. But uh, like, I also saw a lot of uh, connection between, or I, I was explained, I should say a lot of connection between like Wicca 
and um, um, druidism, which isn't mm-hmm. necessarily there, but for some interpretations, it's very much so. Yeah. Right? I knew a I knew I knew a great many people who were like functionally practicing druids or functionally practicing Buddhists. Yeah, but who like identified with the Wicca like structure. So they built their house with like Wicca two by fours. Yeah. Right. But all of their interior design was druidic or very specific, you know, like Eastern witchcraft. So like, um, uh, like gypsy Romani people, how, whichever term you want, you feel comfortable using for that. Right. Um, yeah. A hundred years old is definitely new in the grand scheme of things. (laughs) Um, but so, so like, like from my perspective, Wicca is, is Wicca TM, right. Is the very like Gerald Gardner, Doreen Valiente, like very specific. Right. But then you also have like, like Wicca as the more generalized term to just honestly, from, from the perspective of a nineties kid, um, it's Wicca was like the nineties word for witchcraft. It was, right? it was, it definitely like, was. I know that that's not right. And I know yeah. that that's not necessarily the way that like practicing Wiccans would prefer it to be interpreted. But like from the perspective of a kid who grew up in the nineties in the culture of like witchcraft and Wicca and, and Buddhism and, 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 uh, uh, like Norse Asatru yeah. and and like studying because like like as I, as a kid when I grew up when I had questions it was like well read like oh read have, Scott Cunningham yeah that was like, all do, there was. do you read do you, do you have questions <laughs> read the book well see and for me it was it was it was part of it was read Scott Cunningham right and and part of it was read like Aleister Crowley and the like weird English thing yeah. that they did with witchcraft you know during the during like Crowley's times and such right um but also read like the teachings of Gautama Siddhartha and read the Bible and yeah. read the Quran and read the Torah and read like, so that was, that was my, that was the way that I was taught was very like, yeah. if you have questions, read the book, you want to go talk to an expert? Like, let's go find an expert. Right. I mean, so Wicca was very open from the perspective of the way that I was taught. And of course, like locally, like we're in Sonoma County. So like, like North Bay Wicca, which is probably different and crazy in its own right. But like, that's the way that I was raised around Wicca is that it's a very generalized term and pagan was the more specific term. Yeah. Even though we know now that it's actually inversely proportionate, right? Wicca is the specific term and pagan or paganism is the more broad term. It's a lot like in the episode about modern Odinism, whether you're talking about heathenry or Odinism, right? And, 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 and Julie and I kind of had several conversations about this, whereas like from my perspective as an Odinist, my Odinist perspective is that heathenry is generic and Odinism is specific, whereas for a lot of people, heathenry is specific and Odinism is either more specific and a hate group or like not specific at all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so w- Wicca has gone through like a lot of... Sort of like linguistic shift. It definitely right. Has. It definitely yeah. Has. Yeah. So it, that's a that's a that's a very difficult one. But I think that the jacuzzi hot tub example is what makes the most amount of sense. And honestly, it's what makes the most amount of sense in every conversation you have about anything 
but especially magical practice, yeah. right? Where it's like, okay, like you're you're heathen or pagan, right? And then you're like, let's say Wicca Wiccan, right? But then within Wicca Wiccan, you have subcategories, whether you're like a Druidic Wiccan, which is like a hundred percent a thing that I knew. I knew dudes that were like Druidic Wiccans, like adults yeah. that were Druidic Wiccans in the like late nineties that were like family friends and shit yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. So, so, you know, you, it's, it's that, it's that stepping down, stepping up sort well, of and a you thing. You can see that in Abrahamic religions as well. So you can oh, start of at course. the top with yeah. Abrahamic religions. Yeah. And then and you then go you into like Christian and then you go into and then like, you have like different Lutheranism or, 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 yeah. So it's exactly like that. Um, it, it, <laughs> it just takes, um, it takes a bunch. What is this? Yeah. So, Av- so Alexa says Avalonians are a huge range as well, but she loves it because everybody that she's met so far just gets excited to hear about other practices. Exactly. Dude, we are the same way. Yes, I get so yes. excited. I I'm love... just like, what's this new thing that I get to learn about? Yeah. Yeah. We sh- <laughs> shout out to, and I would have to look up the email and I don't remember who, but, uh, in one of our podcasts, I mentioned some like Norse books and, uh, um, uh, a gal reached out to me via email. So another place, if you have like a specific question and you're looking for like a link in response to that question, like if I mention a book or a topic that you're looking for, uh, we have a form on our web, on the webpage on nerdjive.com where you can submit direct questions and it just sends it to my personal email. Well, to, to whatever, to the business email. So, so, <laughs> we both get so the emails. We both get the emails. <laughs> uh, so that way I can respond to them with like, like, like she was asking specifically about a couple of the books that I mentioned. And so um, I was able to get the direct links from uh, Fall of Man, yeah. which is a, a European uh, publishing company that makes like esoteric books. That's where like um, uh, McThirskablot and yeah. like left-handed Odinism and um, this one that I'm reading, um, Ginninner blocked or something. Oh my God. It's <laughs> like two languages <laughs> away from the language that I speak. So it's a nightmare for me to try to pronounce these. I'm sorry. But um, the like, uh, like giant book that I'm reading, the like proto giants book that I'm reading. Um, those, uh, like if you have specific questions like that, I can just, I'll just, if you send me an email, I'll just link you to the place where I yeah, bought them yeah. from. We also answer you know? questions like that in our discord server too. Oh it's yeah. It's just not like you could definitely message us. I guess you can send a link in discord. On, yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay. Um, you can definitely like message us on social media, but like DMS for like Instagram and stuff are not really made for you to do links. So that's kind of the tough yeah, thing, but not, back to yeah. the original question. <laughs> so one last thing I want to say about Wicca is not just that really, if you want to snapshot what Wicca is, um, as opposed to paganism, which is uh, any of this stuff, uh, really, but <laughs> what Wicca yeah. is, is, uh, and it harm none, do what you will. And it's also sort of the originator of the threefold law, which is if you do, if you do dark magic, black magic, gray magic, if you do offensive magic, then it will come back to you threefold. Um, and so that's just a thing that some people said. That's not like a law. That's not like actually a law. Yeah. Um, so if you are a Wiccan, generally you subscribe to those particular like commandments, if you will. Um, but that even if you decide to be a Wiccan, that doesn't mean that you have to follow those blindly. You know, if this is you, this is your magical practice. You do whatever the heck you want to with it. Yeah. Um, so yes, you can be a Wicca and be a pagan. You can be a pagan without being a Wiccan. Personally, I'm not a Wiccan. I've never really um, 
while I've enjoyed the information that I got, and at the time when I was first, first, first learning about witchcraft in books, it was like the only thing that you had. So it does hold a special place in my heart, but I'm not a, I'm more of an eclectic witch. Um, I sort of take from everyone and do what it is that I want. And some people call that more of chaos magic. And we'll get into types of witchcraft or magic or whatever in other episodes. We definitely don't have time for that. No, we definitely don't have time for that today. And, and we, you know, like, like put it on the list, right. We'll definitely do a podcast specifically about Wiccan tree, uh, Wiccanry, uh, we definitely had to do a podcast about like chaos magic and things like that. And how chaos magic is interpreted by the internet is it's honestly probably its own um, episode. There's like chaos magic TM, (laughs) right? And then there's chaos magic as interpreted by people who are just like, do you touch anything dark chaos magic? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, we'll have that conversation. Um, But we also should do, we should do a deep dive just into Aleister Crowley and oh, into like it's, that yeah. type of English. That's like on the that wish is, list. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> it's so juicy. Like that might be several parts of an episode, just like Aleister Crowley, comma, all that dude's homies. Um, <laughs> right. Like I would never consider myself Wiccan, but it's like definitely informed my practice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. As like a planty thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So our next question comes from Will. And once upon a time, Will Will told me that he doesn't have the ability to see things in his mind's eye and asked me if he could still do magic. And um, while I've already answered and talked to Will about this question, I thought this was a really great one um, to bring up here because there's a lot of people that talk about this, like they have trouble with visualizing. And it's not necessarily because they can't at all, but maybe for some people it's that it's not as easy for them if too many things happening in their mind. But I want to take a little bit of time to talk about aphantasia, which is the ability, the inability to create mental images in one's mind. So when most people think about, say, an apple, um, you know, you could you can think about that apple. You sort of describe that apple, and um, and it's you can see that apple in your mind's eye like as just as if you were seeing it in real life but some people don't have that ability and some of that is a not at all thing and some of it is more of like a gradient like they kind of do but also not really so um aphantasia is not well studied but in 2009 there was a survey of 2500 people um about this particular topic and those researchers found that two percent of those people had it um and that's just a very small subset but really 2% of 2,500 people. That's a lot. That's like 50 people. Um, so there's a lot of people out there that have aphantasia. It's something that I see that comes up a lot, especially on Reddit. Um, and uh, the thing that I really want to get across with that is even if you don't have the ability to see in your mind's eye or to visualize stuff, that doesn't mean that you can't do magic. You can. Just like somebody who's blind can read through the abilities of uh, Braille, that doesn't mean that they can't read at all. You're just doing it in a different way. So if you have difficulty with visualization in any sort of form, then um, you would like use your other senses when you're told to visualize, you know? So think about how something feels, think about how something tastes, imagine the memories, you know, imagine concepts or go over what you think the result is like. So this is something like, um, I'm just going to use healing magic for, for instance. So if you're making some sort of potion to, you know, help ward off sickness and 
just to be clear, magic does not stop sickness, right? Yeah. <laughs> magic does not stop sickness. Yeah. But if you are using magic to get a little boost to your orange juice when you're feeling under the weather, what you would do is you would visualize yourself being well and being healthy and being happy. Um, and if you don't have the ability to actually visualize that, think about what that feels. Think about how you don't like when you feel when you're sick and how you feel when you're starting to get better. Think about the those things that are the result of that magic and that gets you past the visualization thing. And yeah. for those that can visualize, this is an, an additional helpful tool to help you boost up your magic so that you can have increased results with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> uh, Miranda, Al Alan thinks of, of the Blair Witch Project. That's that's <laughs> with regard to Wicca. That's that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. That was that was like perfect coincidence of like like movie and pop culture at the time with the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. And it, it is, is a little bit like tasting wine yeah. aromas too, Alexa. Yeah. 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 Totally. So okay. So on visualizing and and seeing something in the mind's eye, I think that we over utilize we we overinterpret the word visualize to specifically mean projected image. Now. I've never been like officially tested, right? And I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm fully aphantasic, um, which is just I'm at a least rad. I'm a, I'm a little bit, but I'm yeah. I'm definitely strongly in the category of that. As an example, the example that I like to give constantly with people because like I do a lot of art and creative creative things, but um, one there is no fucking way in hell I can draw a human face. <laughs> like not at all not at all i am the worst at drawing like people a face a hand like basic human shape that makes some semblance of sense i can't do any of that but i also i tell julie this all the time when we're talking about these sort of things when i'm not directly looking at a person a lot of the like facial features get lost yeah Right. A lot of detail just sort of degrades if I'm not actually looking at a person. I know what the person represents, like who they are, and I can point them out in a crowd. I'm good at like, I haven't seen this person in five years. Here's a person. High five. Right. And like, I know them, but like, I couldn't describe them five seconds ago. Not at all. Right. My memory doesn't work that way in the slightest. Right. But even even something like like picturing like, OK, so you want to do you want to do like a healing spell. Right. Which from my perspective, it. OK, it's that magic cannot. It's not that magic can't heal and it's not that magic can singularly heal. It's that magic is part of a whole world. It, it's this thing. Right. Kung Fu is like the way right it's all mm -hmm. of the paths of life right practicing kung fu can't clearly heal a broken bone but like when understanding kung fu you can use it to assist in making sure you don't damage the bone more during the healing process right because you understand the body and the way it moves and the pressure points and and how tension is 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 brought onto a thing and how to lift things and, and uh, you know i get shit all the time i run into stuff frequently we have a very small house i'm a very large person and on top <laughs> of that i'm like real dancey when i walk around right i'm very i'm very like whoa, 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 all over the place yeah dancey dancey sounds less lovecraftian horror which you know i'm going for or at least i'm trying 
Uh, um, it's hard to be Lovecraftian horror and not look like it. But, but um, so so it's sort of like that, right? Where it's like magic is an assistive property in that healing process. But from my perspective, when you're when you're working on like when you're doing like healing magic, part of that is like the physical image in your mind of you being healthier, a thing I cannot do. But it's also part of it's the sensation. And part of it's just the like bold faced, like like staring into the void, like uh, confidence of it. I was gonna say balls of it, but confidence of it to just be like, I'm not sick. I'm not getting sicker. I'm getting healthier, right? And that's the way that like I visualize things is yeah. sort of like mantra-y and less like a picture of a hologram yeah. man well, inside of your you head. Kind of but that's because that. I can't picture like a person in their head. I'm going to yeah. be honest with you. Unless I'm looking at a mirror or a camera. I don't know what I look like most of the time. The secret is that I always look crazy. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so I can't you stop can that. You can kind of take what you're saying and reverse engineer it too. So I think pretty much everyone has at least once played hooky and pretended that they were sick when they were not. And um, I know I did that a lot as a kid. Sorry, mm -hmm. mom, if you're listening. <laughs> I'm sure it was obvious. Ooh, yeah, um, I definitely so, did that. Like, if you've ever played hooky because you were so because you wanted to be sick, uh, but you weren't actually sick, did you later on feel like you were sick? Were you like making yourself be sick? Not yeah. in like a creepy way, not in a bad way, but just, just like, like projecting projecting intent. That. Yeah. Right. When you're trying so hard to pretend to be sick to get away with it to your parents and then like you get a little sick and you're just like, all right, got to try less hard next time it's not a good move right um yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. exactly so um yeah that's a fantasia um which is really um quite interesting because um it has not really been studied it was only really discovered in like the mid 1800s yeah uh but i think that it's probably a lot more prevalent than people think and there's also a what led to this study um, of 2,500 people was essentially a uh, research paper. This guy had the ability to see images in his mind. Mm -hmm. And then he had a stroke during a, uh, a, a surgery. And after that, he was no longer able to. Yeah. So we don't understand anything about why Ooh, this happens we or get, does not we happen. We get dead max 1% <laughs> of the human brain. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we understand so little of how we do. We just recently, I just recently read, um, a paper. I, I, I read the synopsis of a paper and I need to look up the paper. I haven't had a time today to do it. Um, that we uh, have started figuring out why the human brain consumes as much energy as it, mm -hmm. the human brain consumes like an inordinate amount of the energy that we eat as calories. I think the paper said something like, 40% of the calories we eat go to feeding the brain. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. No, that our, totally makes our sense. Because our hallucinating mushrooms shouldn't be that like inefficient. No, it totally but, makes sense. But to we're me. beginning to understand that that the process between like neutrons is like incredibly energy. Yeah. No, it intense, totally makes sense to right? me on like, days where I have to think a lot like well, you have to eat more food well, yeah or like when we're we understand driving these, but scientifically yeah, like when you're no driving sense. is another time when you have to think a lot whether or not you're consciously thinking about it your brain is still doing that thing <laughs> and like i know you that should. i get hungrier at times where i have to think a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, Alexa said um, that she's talked with a lot of people who read books and they don't see the full detailed visual. So she thinks it's pretty common. I agree. Yeah. And I'm a little bit that way too. That's, see, this um, is the crazy part. I cannot yeah. project, like, like if I'm trying to visualize something as an effort of will, right? Like visualize, um, if, I, if I'm visualizing something that I know well, like visualize the yeah. bridge of Voyager, right? Nope, Voyager from Star Trek is what I'm talking about, by the way, right? <laughs> no are. content, um, uh, no context. But so if I'm trying to visualize the bridge of Voyager, I, like perfectly I can visualize it. But that's because I have a lot of input data on that. But if I'm trying to visualize something like new or like an idea, like when you're doing like visualization magic and things like that, that's really hard for me to do. Very hard for me to do. I'm very bad at visualizing stuff, especially art related, mm -hmm. right? I have learned to stream of consciousness creativity right? Like when I'm doing tie-dye or I'm painting or doing model work, it's more like I'm just kind of like in the zone with it, but I can't really like projectively visualize how this is going to look at the end. So it's a lot of trial and error. Let me tell you what, it's a lot of trial and error. <laughs> but when I'm reading a book or listening to a book in audio, I have like, 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 uh, IMAX quality visual. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I'm watching that shit on TV, which is a little distracting at work. Uh, when I specifically when I'm programming, like when I'm doing like coding, whether it's for like a website, yeah, or I'm doing coding for like Excel documents or something like that. I can't listen to my audiobook while I'm doing it. I have to go back to like classical music. But when I'm when I'm just like, oh, I'm just doing like basic data entry stuff or like writing or like um like doing like simple like oh if this is this way then this needs to be this way and whatever like error correction in excel spreadsheets and stuff like that i can listen to an audiobook because yeah. i can just like bifurcate my thought on that one but yeah it's because i visualize books well but i visualize my own shit not at all i also visualize audiobooks better than written books oh uh, both it's kind of the same yeah. whether i'm reading it honestly it's whether i'm reading it listening to it or writing it myself which is why i'm able to jump back into yeah. as a i'm a bad writer uh insofar as i'm i'm very lazy about writing i i like my writing but whatever uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's like it's like vr alexa's totally right it's exactly like vr yeah. so it's like it's like i could just like see it there when i'm writing i do the same thing which is why when i get like spur of inspiration i have to immediately write because as long as i get a couple of paragraphs down I can like jump right back into that yeah. story. No questions asked. Right. I mean, like, like, uh, like Panini. I haven't touched that story in six months. Easily. Right. Or yeah. more. But I know like, like just thinking about it a little bit, I'm immediately back in like what the characters look like, what the, what, you know, what the gas station looks like, the kind of car they're driving, all of that. Even just mentioning the name gives me all of that visual input. Yeah. Right. So it's like a very specific thing with me where like, the written word visualizes for me, but like concepts and like my own creativity, it just doesn't sometimes. Yeah. It's a very weird thing. It has something to do with me and, and how I don't do human shit. Right. Yeah. I'm like a bad person, <laughs> like a bad human is what that is. Uh, okay. What's next? All right. Next question is from Alan. Uh, and Alan asks, 
How do you know what correspondence is correct for the god, goddess, or spell results you're trying to achieve? Are they based on general consensus, more personal choice, or necessity? I know y'all have said, obviously, people haven't had the ability to have anything whenever. So how do all these things become included in protection, money, happiness? Or did someone sometime just say, like, salt? It's now my favorite thing for protection. Um, so this is this is also like all I love all these questions They're infinitely so complex There's, it's question so in its simple simplicity. and so complex yes, yes. so um, yeah it. kind of um, like yes somebody was just like salt protection but so correspondences can be different coming from different cultures so if you look at certain magical correspondences some of them seem to have like a huge long list and some of them seem to have less of a long list part of that is because types of um herbs and spices and plants and rocks and whatever that are more prevalent throughout the world will typically have more correspondences yeah. that's um but not always sometimes the correspondences are just stronger um so what i've found because i am like super into correspondences is um as i learn about herbalism i've i can see the link with herbalism that is using herbs for specific um like medical physiological needs mm. that some of those really sort of like you can see the link between those and magical correspondences so for instance with sage in herbalism sage is um sage is um, has antioxidants and it's anti-inflammatory. It's also anti-cancer. It boosts your memory. It's antimicrobial. It helps with your gut health. It was used as a meat preservative in ancient times. It yeah. also helps with female hormone issues, um, including like menopause and hot flashes, but even down to PMS. It helps to alleviate depression and it also helps to fight against colds and flu. So that's sort of like the herbalist the physiological things about sage but when you look at the magical correspondences sage is about purification and dealing with grief and loss and it helps to impart wisdom and improve your mental abilities it also promotes health and longevity and it removes negative energy so you can kind of see how some of those things are tying together here so it being antimicrobial that's a really like strong tie to being something that like cleanses a space you know you can see where the physiological effects and the magical effects kind of go hand in hand that doesn't mean that every correspondence has some sort of physiological effect that it's uh, that it's remedying but you sort of you can sort of see that thread as you go through and and rocks are in the same way with vibrations and sort of what they're used for um but also like somebody was just like salt i like it for protection um salt has been used to preserve meat and to um you know help with cooking and all that other kind of stuff so you can see where that is salt is also um nowadays it is abundant but in ancient times it was not abundant it was a valuable resource and Russia. salt sort of was it when you welcomed someone into your home you typically gave them bread and salt and something to drink okay. as a, sort of like a welcome and like a you're safe here you know if you watch game of thrones you know that that's kind of part of some of the some of the more intense death Scenes. Yeah, yeah, totally, um, totally. So, uh, so yeah, correspondences are kind of like a general consensus. But if you hate something, then that correspondence isn't really going to be there for you with that. So, Alan, I know that you're not a big sage person, uh, which is funny because sage is the example that I chose. But whatever, I didn't do that on purpose. I love sage. It's delicious. But um, like because you don't like sage, it has it, it doesn't 
it's not going to work as well for you. So you wouldn't really want to force sage as an item into your practice, but no. you can take other things that have similar stuff with that and you can then sort of incorporate those into your practice. Yeah. But also if you feel like it, like like something has a correspondence for you personally, then go ahead and do it. Like there's nothing that's stopping you from creating these correspondences on your own. Yeah. Uh, but there's also, you know, it's also kind of like how you feel about something, what you want to achieve with it. So if you've got things that fall into line for regular correspondences, great. But if you don't have those things, you know, you don't want to go to the store, you don't have to pick up some sort of, obscure bizarre herb that only comes by mail and is very expensive a thing that i remember trying to figure out how to do like in the yeah. 90s yeah, right. I'm like, oh you can only do the spell with dragon's blood you got to get your yeah, hands you on have dragon's, to use dragon's blood, blood or fucking some shit yeah you need well, oh, okay. copal resin and i'm just like what is this stuff why okay, do i have so to buy to, it from a mail to, order to what julie was saying so like alexa mentioned that she just like asks the deities right <laughs> i like this stand awkwardly in front of herbs or stand awkwardly in yeah. front of your altar space that's that is perfectly a hundred percent what i do yes right like a hundred percent there's there's the like correspondence is more like a reference right and when you talk about correspondences from a historical standpoint there's sort of like multiple tiers of correspondences there's the obvious like salt is used for protection why is salt used for protection well because when shit's salty you know it's safe Right? I mean, that's straight line. Yeah. Right? Think of it like a lot of food stuffs, their magical correspondences, just like their religious correspondences, are directly linked to food safety. Right? Yeah. Think of the the um um the Jewish practice of of um well, kosher. Of yeah, of, yeah. of kosher, right? Whether with regard to like what animals they can and cannot eat based on how easy it is for that animal to be very dangerous for you to eat if not properly cooked or stored, as well as their their um their practices with regard to cleanliness yeah. and and the frequency with which one cleans a cooking space and how one cleans a cooking space and what one uses when it comes to cooking and cleaning and processing and handling all that cooking space. When you think about that from a practical standpoint, from a purely like 30,000 foot observational practical standpoint, right? It, it makes perfect sense. Of course you would make rules like that because that's going to guarantee that everybody's healthier. Right. Everybody's eating safer. They're eating healthier. It's good news all day long. Right. Yeah. So it makes sense. So something like salt, it makes sense. Something like sage in a space. It makes sense because saging a space. Julie and I were literally talking about this just the other day. Saging a room or a space or your house would remove shit like mites. It drives away bugs and mice and other small animals and varmints and stuff like that. So like when you think of sage, it makes sense. You think of salt, it makes sense. When you think of when you think of a bunch of this stuff, it makes sense. So a lot of things are sort of like informed by practical practice, whether that's food practice. And this doesn't even just line up with correspondences. This also lines up with a lot of like, like generalized witchy practices. Yeah. Well, right? uh, intention is a lot. Uh, yeah. It aligns with what, is a lot what it's, what it's designed to do. Right. Historically. The other side of that is that you also have like humans don't really create new thoughts. We kind of, parrot 
thoughts <laughs> that we already have heard or we like inform. Nobody's like, you know what? This goddess needs some shit that doesn't exist, right? When you're standing in front of your altar and they ask for, um, um, and, and you're like meditating on what you want to fill that altar space, right? And they ask for something. They're not, for the most part, going to ask for something that you don't know about because how could they, right? Yeah. But they're going to ask for stuff that you know. It's sort of like the idea of like a Yule tree or specifically being stuff fur. That you have but available. like, why couldn't it be redwood? Why couldn't it be bay? It's all evergreen, right? So the idea is that it's evergreen. We just focus on fur, right? But so a lot of it is many people in an area, right? So we're in Northern California. We ask for very specific things. What natural shit lying around here? The gods are going to be in tune to that natural stuff as practices and communication happens, right? We find out that, like, our friend is doing the same thing this day as we're doing, Alexa. <laughs> or, like, or like we're, we both believe that this god or goddess or situation or intention aligns with this particular herb or color or whatever, right? So... Just because like an herb and a color and a thing correlate with uh, with something with specificity, a lot of times that's just that like a bunch of humans have come together and come to that conclusion, whether yeah. by random happenstance or by like. There's not really like a council, a council of Versailles style. Yeah, there's not but, really like I mean, a council. Sometimes but, that happens, though, right? But I mean, specifically shit like Wicca, right? Him like 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 if Wicca has a particular practice insofar as written by the originator right? Then you have to assume that at some point in time, he came to the conclusion that this is the way that he does it. A perfect example of this is like, I don't do reverse cards with tarot. I have no problem with reverse cards with tarot. 99% of my tarot decks specifically give you the reversal reading, but like, I just don't do reverse cards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's just not something that I believe in or whatever the fuck, right? So if I'm writing a book on my practice, reverse cards aren't going to be talked about. Yeah. Right? So, so it, there's also that, so it's kind of like, it's the, it's the like practical side of it, right? If you want to break it into thirds here, there's like practical uh, correspondences that have historical, like logical practice. And then there's the like, what I like to call the council of the hive mind, which is just like a bunch of people kind of came to the same conclusion at the same time. So like rock and roll. And then there's the yeah. like, I wrote a book and I said it. And because it was on paper, like a bunch of people believe. Yeah, right. So there's there's multiple iterations, you know, of of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. OK, so, so um, Alexa and Miranda in the chat were talking about um, like alternatives to smoke cleansing and saging. And um, they uh, Alexa says that she does saning as an alternative. And Miranda wanted to know what saning is. So uh, quick TLDR saning is basically cleansing something with smoke in a different way than saging. So saging yeah, is well, kind of with water specifically yeah, for Alexa. Yeah. yeah. With water. Yeah. Yeah. So I've also seen it around. with, that's very, that's very with like, different types um, of smoke. What, what is it? Um, flavored waters. Scented waters? Herbal palm, waters? Palm Wednesday? The thing where you go into Catholic church and they get like, uh, they get like branches and they put it in holy water and then they like sprinkle everybody. In yeah. the You know, in the, in the pews and whatnot. It's sort of like that, right? I mean, as far as I'm aware, that's kind of what it is. It's just sort of using like, like herb bundles to like sprinkle shit. So that yeah. way you're getting the same I've effect, seen but like saning also relating to like lighting that stuff on fire and using that as an alternative 
to smoke. So I think it's one mm. of those terms where somebody was like, I like this word. And now it means this for me too. Dude, let me tell you what, English, <laughs> we do that shit all the time. This is a garbage language. Yeah, yeah. I bring it up um, frequently. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, uh, correspondences Ooh, like are that. basically just somebody Salt that said by the moon. they like, nice. um, oh, that's a great idea. Saltwater charged by the moon. We've got a moon water question. We, up yeah, too. perfect. Perfect. Um, so, um, yeah, it is kind of like somebody was like salt. It's now my favorite thing for protection. Um, yeah. Because if like it's kind of like that ripple through the hive mind side of things. Like I talk a lot about the Fae, especially on my TikTok, and how they're not as bad. You just have to understand how to work with them. But for literally centuries, we've been told don't work with the Fae; they're dangerous. Yeah. So that was originally one person who said this thing was dangerous, and then it spread and it spread right. and it spread and well, it spread or, and it spread. That um, culture's that culture's interpretation of the word Fae, or what what they use that inevitably gets represented by the word fey, because remember, we're only speaking one language and English on its own. There's this guy, man, I'm gonna have to find him. I'll share him to the uh, to the uh, Discord. Uh, there's this dude that I follow on TikTok who's specifically a linguist, like an English linguist. Mm -hmm. And he, like, like, he does this thing where he's reading the same line in, like, modern English. And then he reads it in, like, English 200 years ago. And then English, like, a thousand years ago. And, like, he goes through, whatever, like, seven different versions of English. And the first two make sense. Everything before that is just dumpster fire nonsense. Like, it kind of sounds Englishy adjacent, but it's not there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like, again, not only do languages evolve, but, like, as England conquered the world, yeah. right? A lot of people, it's like, oh, I got these, like, spirits that are doing this shit. And they're like, they, they're like that sounds like some fake shit. Those are fairies. All of a sudden, that they just... When they speak to an English speaker, when they're speaking in English, whatever their traditional thing is, is called fairies, right? Yeah. So so that's something that we kind of have to take into consideration is that like fae and fairy are kind of looser terms than you would think. Yeah. A lot of people think of fae and fairy in a very like Celtic sense. So like England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, you know, that that area stuff. Yeah. That area's fae, which is sort of different than when you think of like German like Germanic area, right? Like their fey is sort of different. You know, it's a whole, I think I talked about this in one of the podcasts where like uh, in Old Norse, there were elves and dark elves. And a lot of people translate the word dark elf to represent dwarves. Um, dwarves. And sometimes dark elves are separate, right? So it depends on how you want to interpret the English whether dark elves are just like elves that live underground, they live in the dark, so they're called dark elves, that makes sense. Or is it that, like, they're a whole different, you know, they're like yeah. sh shadow elves or whatever it's called, and like, wow. <laughs> you know, and like, and, 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 and like, um, in, the Mar in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, dwarves and then dark elves there's yeah. not even like good elves in the like thor comic books <laughs> it's just dwarves are good elves and dark elves are like weird nightmare monsters so like that's that's one way to sort of look at that you yeah. know what i mean 
Yeah, totally. So Miranda asked a question about Florida water, and um, I'm going to come back to that when we talk about the moon water thing. But next, our question is from Alexa. So Alexa, Alexa asks if we have any quick tips for working with Dionysus. So we talked briefly about Dionysus in Drink. the... Basically, yes. <laughs> um, we talk a little bit about Dionysus in the Olympian Family Tree episode that we did, but like just real quick TLDR, he's the god of wine, grapes, fertility, fruit debauchery yeah um festivity ecstasy insanity resurrection and the theater so some things that symbolize dionysus are grapes wine cups um loaves of bread um specifically like baguette style any sort of phallic object re those loaves of bread yeah. um ivy tigers goats pine cones and amethyst are all things that are associated with dionysus so to honor dionysus you really want to kind of focus on what it is that he's talking about like what it is that he's into so in the ancient greek and roman times he his his roman equivalent which is bacchus um had the festival Bacchanalia. Most people are Bacchanalian festivals are familiar a with different that. kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so the, that's also sort of the root of the word debauchery. So Dionysus is about having a good time. Yeah. So you really, so worshiping him is kind of like however you feel comfortable with doing it. But yeah. basically Dionysus is really into libations. He really wants to drink alcohol, very specifically alcohol and preferably wine, but not necessarily always wine. Yeah. Um, he also is sort of like into indulging your vices without letting them take over you. So Bacchanalia, huge party, sex and drugs. And I'm assuming ancient Greek rock and roll yeah. and booze. Take and it off, happened hill, for like a couple down, of days. But after after Bacchanalia was done, people just went back to their normal lives. So it's about indulging without letting these things take over your whole life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah. kind of like allowing yourself to let loose. He also likes parties and he's very into sexual pleasure. So um, it's a weird one because Dionysus is kind of like a weird guy. But um, yes. he's got a lot of different themes to him that you can sort of see echo yeah. um, into the future that you can use. You yeah, know, you're not totally, necessarily totally. going to invite a bunch of people over for like a Bacchanalian orgy or anything like that. Yeah. But you could. You could. If you and, that, to. and that would and, work if, um, if that's your vibe. So so for Bacchus, let's let's address two things. Let's let's kind of split this into, into two. Uh, specifically just because what Alexa brought up is a good point. It's like good to know that it's not just wine. So Bacchus is about the like Bacchus, Dionysus, right? Obviously gods of like wine and grapes and things like that. Like as an example, I'm not a big wine guy. I, and I'm not super big, like Greek Roman kind of a thing, but, but you know, I, I have my, my, my uh, particular gods within those categories that I, I sort of re uh, resonate with better for a, a lack of better words. Uh, Dionysus happens to be one of them, yeah. right? Dionysus, Hades, like those kind of gods. And and from like my interpretation, it's not that it has to be wine. It's that it has to be alcohol, right? Um, but also like Dionysus, I, I think that the way that I look at it is it's split 50-50. One is the like necessary like wine uh, drinking sort of side of it, right? Which is specifically the like like libation half. 
And then the other half is the sort of indulging in your vices half. And I, I think that Julie put it perfectly. Indulging in your vices without letting them take you over is, is exactly what it is. Dionysus and Bacchus represent the like physical manifestation of pleasures within mortal life. Yeah. Um, but not in a negative way. Right. There's a lot of negative that one can put into something like this. Like if you drink, you can drink too much. You can become an alcoholic. That's bad for you. But that's not what he's not. Dionysus, Bacchus, both of them. They're not about being an alcoholic. They're about enjoying drinking. That's different. Right. Because you don't you're not you're not celebrating drinking all the time. But when you are drinking, you're celebrating that you are drinking. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Dancing yeah, also is dancing. a perfect example of that. Like Singing. We, we do this thing when we cook, when Julie's cooking in the kitchen and like, like, when I, like I'll come home from work and Julie's cooking whatever we're having for dinner. And like, you know, we're not ready to like sit down and start watching, like catching up on YouTube or watching the shows we're behind on or any of the fucking eight billion things we need to consume every day to keep up with being modern mother <laughs> of God. It is so much work. Right. To keep up with all of it. There's, I'm constantly. Have you seen this show yet? No, no, I haven't seen this show. I'm too busy. I'm watching so many shows. We're literally watching a movie as we're recording this. But it's yep. fine. We've seen it a million times. It's Tremors. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to have something. But yeah, something to just like distract us <laughs> a little bit while we're doing this. But so so like uh, I'll put on music on YouTube and like the TV's smart and connected to sound system in the house or whatever. So we'll like put on music and we're just like singing and dancing and having a good time and dancing with the dogs and, and you know, having beers after work and all this kind of stuff. And it's like that's that like Dionysian Bacchanalian sort of like festivity or like um, honestly anytime we have a, a, a blot here a festival a, here a sabbat yeah. a sabbat thank you I can never remember that bloody word right <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you yes Tremors is great Kevin Bacon's the best I love this movie in fact I love all of these movies and they started getting weird at like Tremors 3 or 4 I think there's 7 yeah, I have the seen that was the one where they were like above ground and could fly I think yeah the Ass but, Blasters yeah. is 3 yeah. uh, if I yeah. remember correctly yeah yeah, episode uh, Tremor Seven was set in the Arctic. They filmed it in a desert and just put a blue filter on it. It's the greatest thing you'll ever watch. It's great. They're like, this is the Arctic, and you're like, mm. you're like, it's just slightly. Blue. I see a I see a bush over there. There aren't bushes in the Arctic. Get out of here with that. Yeah. It's great. It's total side. Um, but no, uh, for me, Bacchus is about that, like, like indulging in physical vices. Yeah. Right. And not just indulging in physical vices. The pleasures I think, of the flesh. Exactly. I think that <laughs> it's very, it's very pinhead. What is that? What are those guys called? Um, oh, uh, Cenobites. Very, cin it's very Cenobite yeah. in the Hell Hellraiser series. Also surprisingly good series. Um, it gets well, good, weird, better, worse, good, worse, worse, worse. Uh, I think it's the right lineup for those movies. <laughs> There's a bunch of them and they're very strange. But um, no, it's a lot about it's a lot about like 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 indulging in those physical vices and like opening yourself up to those physical vices and like. The clarity that comes from, you know, people talk about like drunk clarity or like like post-coital clarity to use the PC version of it and yeah. things like that. But, and I think that's kind of part of it, right? I think that part of the Dionysus Bacchus thing is that like, is that 
eat like even in the chaos of a room full of people drinking and listening to music and dancing and partying and all this kind of stuff there's structure and there's magic and there's power in that and that's yeah. Bacchus's power that's Dionysus's power it's the power of the party it's the, I know that sounds very frat bro uh, but it's it's the power of the party it's the power it's the it's the it's the power that comes from that like not only acceptance but indulgence in that and that's yeah. the difference. It's not just acceptance, it's indulgence. And indulging in something is more than just accepting it, yeah. right? It's like it's like throwing it all in and having a, a, a good old-fashioned time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, just have a big old party, rock and roll. So it's that sort of a thing. But you can also do that on your own, right? I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's the best part is that Dionysus isn't just, because it's, it's, it's vices, vices and indulgence and libations and sexuality and all that stuff, they can be they can they can be specific and singular. They can be larger than that. They can be group. It, it, it can be everything. Right. Yeah. And it can be something as simple as just like kicking back and watching your favorite thing on TV. You know, not even necessarily a guilty pleasure, just like the thing that makes you smile and having like a nice glass of wine. Yeah. Like that is totally okay yeah. as like an offering worshipful moment yeah. with Dionysus. That is just as okay as having a Bacchanalian orgy party. Really? Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's exactly. really no difference because again, it's your magic and it's you're intent. choosing how to yeah. do it. Are you, are you drinking that glass of wine with, with Bacchanalian indulgence and intent? you know for the for the you know for the sum of dionysus yeah. kind of a thing then that glass of wine is that and it doesn't mean that you need to change how you're drinking it it's just that that's what that glass of wine represents to you you know you're drinking it as an offering to dionysus yeah right exactly it's it's one of those things that i i've had a, a great many conversations about with people you always hear people talk about how you know is it worth the hangover drinking drinking has a cost it's a hangover i have always reveled in hangovers right mm -hmm. i'm not saying that you need to drink to get hungover that's not safe don't do that be a responsible adult and in fact most of the time i don't have a hangover but a hangover represents a series of decisions that have allowed you to get to the place where your body is like hey buddy listen you're over 30 you're drinking a bunch maybe you calm the fuck down a little bit it's a tuesday you have to work tomorrow <laughs> right <laughs> those hangovers to me are are very um, and for me, it's Dionysus over Bacchus, but I use the word Bacchus because Bacchanalian is better than Dionysian or Dionysian. Yeah. So whatever. I jump between those two words. I mean, literally the exact same person, by the by. But for me, that's a very Bacchanalian yeah. thing. Yeah. Is is the 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 cost of that magic. Yeah. Right. Of the magic that is drinking and getting a good drink on. The cost of that is that you're going to have a headache tomorrow. Did you drink water? No, you gave a little too much into that indulgence and you didn't like yeah. protect yourself all of a sudden hangover. Thank you for licking my arm. You and your dog. <laughs> she wants us to know that. Um, that we're, that we're but so, so it's that, it's that sort of a thing. If, yeah. if that makes sense. Now that doesn't mean that you can necessarily use worshiping Dionysus as going like balls to the wall all out. Don't, don't you don't like, use don't gods use as an excuse. As an that's excuse. a, but, that's a bad move. Uh, we also do have a deep dive planned for Dionysus. Oh, yeah. um, so that'll more information yeah. about Dionysus yeah. will be coming. He's a very, very interesting um, God who has a huge amount of stuff associated yeah. with him so i'm very excited yeah. to do it it's dionysus him. and bacchus are both one of those they're those gods that have sort of like stood the test of time 
yeah. more in their practice and their ritual and their and their like secrets more than some other gods. And I mean, honestly, I think it's just because like uh, it's a party, so why not, right? That's yeah. that shit. People are like, "What is this? What is this? A party?" And you're like, "It's a Dionysus party." And they're like, mm, "Like, all right, I guess. let's do that." <laughs> you know, that sounds like some really fun flower craft. Yeah, I'm excited to do a deep dive into Dionysus. <laughs> Dionysus is like kind of my jam in the in the like in the Greek pantheon. Yeah, you know, he definitely. So <laughs> it's like Hades, Dionysus, Hermes, all these bad boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Queer-coded supervillains. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. All right, so next question. So we're going to talk about moon water in just a second, but first I want to answer Miranda's question about Florida water. So Florida water is um, technically like cologne water. So it's just like cologne, basically. Yeah. But Florida water has a um, variety of different like herbs. So in uh, it's primarily um, like lemon and neroli and sweet orange, uh, but also has like lavender and clove. And um, it, Florida water is like a reference to like the Fountain of Youth, which was fabled to be in Florida. Um, and it's actually sold throughout the world. And depending on where you're buying it, you can get a different blend of it so like in asia the blend is different than it is in the americas yeah which is probably different than it is in europe and i don't really know why that is the, um, but the the recipe that that alexa uh posted is uh ergamont neroli oh my god i don't have my glasses on lemon neroli cloves. lemon clove cinnamon rose and orange flower glasses yeah. are over there so that's a little hard to read just like listening to what those are it sounds like cologne which is yeah. you know there's no problem for that well that's, that's i would call thing. it i would call it like eau de toilette yeah. as opposed to cologne yeah. say it like an american wow like that is american. that was bad i speak french too so Shit. um so eau de toilette excuse me wow so my when bad. you think about what those things are they also have their own magical correspondences so like bergamot neroli lemon clove cinnamon rose and orange flower honestly those are kind of like all encompassing sort of um like all purpose if you will it's like an all-purpose herbal blend um since we just kind of talked about correspondences yeah. so florida water is something that's super never heard common. of this by the way you this is brand new news to me florida water yeah like florida yeah. the state yeah like florida the state is that what it's named after yeah huh you can usually buy it in the quotations ethnic hair and skin products aisle at the store i definitely didn't know that yeah, what yeah. oh my god it's that not is as common it's not as common here in california okay okay, um, okay, okay. it's not as common I, in yeah california. i've fully never heard of florida water before in my fucking life i was like florida water yeah what is um florida? we're gonna have to pick some up the next time we're out florida about, water what does it, it smell like alligators no old people it smells it smells bad divine. tax so reform florida water is kind of like it's one of these it's one of these like potions that you can kind of use however you want so it was originally used as like a cologne like scent sort of thing right um it's 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 fairly old but i don't know exactly how old but you can kind of use it for a variety of magical purposes um and it just like if you use it for something you've kind of got like a purpose for it but it's very common in um southern american magic so not south america but southern united states magic and sort of bleeds over into hoodoo and voodoo and other kind of <laughs> Like, like news story 
It's <laughs> like news story. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, oh, fun that's fact, good. Uh, Alexa, I know that you said you can get some at the Forestville Magic Shop. That's a, um, I, used, I actually used to work with that lady's husband. Uh, so I know the lady who runs the shop. Magic Shop in Forestville. Such a great shop. Uh, a skull beat. Yeah, hello, Nikki, if you're listening. <laughs> um, if you're not, I see you. <laughs> I swear I'm going to come in. Um, so yeah, that's Florida water. Oh, okay. Um, nice, nice, nice. Yeah. So we've, um, so that'll be interesting. We'll have to pick some of that up so you can, uh, yeah, we'll pick some out. up. We'll, we'll give it a try. We'll, uh, we'll have to do a YouTube video about it. Uh, <laughs> Alexa also asked about a YouTube video, a flower crown workshop video. Oh, and let me fucking tell you oh, what. Yes. Yes. Put it, on the, put it on the fact, list. It's going to happen. In fact, it kind of goes along the Florida water conversation and the flower crown one kind of goes along with what our special announcement is going to be towards the end. Sorry, yeah. you guys get to still wait. Yeah, so we're going to move on to the next question, which is kind of where we're segueing here. Watery. So Miranda asked, what effects does the new moon versus the full moon have on moon water? And what about solar versus lunar eclipse? So mm, moon water is something that is hyper popular in witchcraft right now let me tell you as someone who's been practicing since so they were like right a teenager it was not really a thing to do moon water in the 90s that's no shade at all it just wasn't popular then it's very very popular right now in fact i literally have an entire bottle was it not popular in the 90s? no it was not popular in the 90s hmm. it was not a thing that doesn't mean that nobody did it it just it was not a popular thing for people to be doing so um Basically what moon water is, um, or even sun water or blessed water is like, it's like a water that's been charged with magical properties. So it's very common to have moon water charged by the moon. So the moon is like kind of like a big cornerstone piece, obviously of like the world, like literally the planet that we live on, but also is like a big cornerstone for magic. A lot of, a lot of people who practice paganism and heathenry sort of have feel a tie to the moon specifically. The moon um, is something that we're very interested in as people. And that sort of bleeds over into witchcraft. Um, so, you can kind of take this to whatever level you want. So this is one of those things where it's like doing a spell or a ritual. It's only as complicated as you want it to be and as you need it to be for your very specific practice. So that is my, uh, that is my uh, disclaimer on this. So the effects of new moon versus full moon water is kind of like the intentions of what like the magical correspondences, if you will, of the new moon versus the full moon. You could also do moon water at any of the quarter or any of the half moons too. So the new moon is really a correspondence with shadow work and beginnings, job hunting, you know, That's new nice things spot. here, and also love, especially new romance. Now the full moon is about manifesting goals and strength and protection and divination. New moons and full moons have a like additional booster uh you know to that sort of thing but there are certain you know there's certain times of the month where you want water and you're out of moon water and all you've got is like a crescent moon go for it yeah that's totally up Waxing to you seeing or waning yeah or... now um that so then there's eclipses eclipses have a more powerful energy than that of new moons um and they are specifically sort of 
corresponding with changes and transformation and rebirth. But keep in mind, most ancient cultures feared eclipses. So we can't say in ancient <laughs> times, they yeah. would bless the water. Yeah. There were well, we, literally, when you, when you well, there was literally it. cultures that would go and stand in a river when an eclipse would happen. And they would scream at whatever planet was eclipsing, whether it was the sun or the moon, for it to come back. Hey, Like that's a thing hey. that people did. Why don't we all go scream at a river in a river at the next eclipse? Doesn't that sound fun? Yeah. Holy shit, I didn't know about that. I mean, when when you when you think about it, right? I mean, an eclipse is more powerful because not only do you have a full ass moon, but you have a whole nother planet getting involved in that shit. Yeah, it's, solar it's, eclipses it's are the two, same way. It's uh, yeah. it's two floating fire rocks. Yeah. You know, bonus yeah. power. Now, Alexa said that she has like six bottles of moon water from various stages of the moon because it totally changes what you use it for. And she also uses um, like rainwater is different yeah. than lake Storm water, is water different than river, river water, water, different than ocean yeah. water. So it really <laughs> is one of those things that you can make as complicated as you want it to be. And however, that helps your magical practice. For Alexa, who primarily practices water witchery um <laughs> like that makes a lot of sense but for someone who doesn't really practice as much water work as um someone like that does maybe just having one bottle works for us one bottle works and like we the bottle that we have is and I'm a water person I, yeah like, yeah the strongly. bottle that we have is a bottle that we filled up and i put out with the last lunar eclipse and then i had it stay all day in the sun and then i forgot about it so i like grabbed it a couple of days later and we just sort of consider that blessed water we are very bad about removing moon water <laughs> when the sun touches it uh which sort of leads me into the next point here which is what happens if you leave it out for the sun ah i mean Again, it's only as complicated as you want it to be, right? But um, if you leave it out for the sun to touch it, now you're sort of combining those energies. No. You know, if you like put out moon water, you know, like in the middle of the night, because you're like, ah, oh, moon water, and then it lasts through the dawn, you've forgotten about it or you've slept in. Now it is not just the energy of the moon, but you're also incorporating the energy of the dawn. And then you leave it out until the sun comes up and it's midday. So you've kind of mingled yeah. that moon, that night dawn day sort of effect there so you're getting yeah. not just some of the um moon qualities if you will but you're also getting some of the solar qualities and <laughs> some of the qualities of dawn so when we do moon water we typically end up leaving it out there for like a whole day partially because yeah. we forgot yeah um and we just sort of use it as blessed water but you can also do solar water you can yeah. do yeah alexa water, mentioned that that water. that that sun water is a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to get your storm water tonight, man. 100. Oh yeah, Alan, Alan you'll finally yeah. get your storm water. And, and like Alexa Make mentioned, sure you fill up a big bottle. Yeah, yeah. If you're not getting a <laughs> bunch of storms, get get a good amount. Well, and like Alexa mentioned, seawater is different from beach seawater. Like harbor seawater is different than beach seawater. So there's yeah. definitely it's like it's an area thing. There's area of effect. There's there's um like intention in an area or comfortability in an area things like that yeah yeah you know now the so. last part about the moon water that i want to touch on is whether it's talking about a new moon or a full moon or an eclipse or you know whatever the situation is um there is also if you follow astrology you also know that there's a new moon in whatever sign like right now is literally the new moon in uh, sagittarius uh and so water that is collected during this time frame 
would, if you so believe, take on more of the characteristics of that particular sign. So water that is collected during the Sagittarius new moon is about beginning new adventures and sort of embarking on um, paths and maybe just, you know, being more like spur of the moment, as opposed to water from the full moon in Taurus, which is, you know, like a sign that's sort of about luxury and indulgence would be sort of following those things. But again, it's only as complicated as you want it to be for your practice, if that works for you. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's one of those things where... again. Again, think about it like the, like the, um, I, I like to think of everything in the scientific term of how we classify animals, right? You know, kingdom, tribe, class, order, family, genus, species. So, so w when you're, go when you're going through that, right, it's sort of like, is this water, water has its own property. Is this water what was set in a place or with a particular body of celestial importance? Yes. Does that body of celestial importance or place have some sort of um otherness to it right so it's like sea so like we got water important seawater different important specific kind of water right we got harbor water or ocean water okay so now we've got well, locality distinction do we have harbor is different from harbor water and yes Hawaii. so there's loca there's locality ocean, harbor yeah. water but there's also import to it so like is it the harbor that you always go like like for us if we collected water when we went crabbing which is at which is in the... It's um, close enough to a harbor. It, it's in the, yeah. like, harbor zone of of the bay. Yeah. Right? So that's harbor water, which has its own import and, and distinction. But it's also got, like, the the necessary import of, like, that's where we go crabbing all the time, right? That's where I... crab water. That's, that's crab water. <laughs> that's where I've, like, saved the canoe. That's where we were taught by a stranger how to, like, literally... A, we met a stranger who improved our crabbing game by like yeah. several fold. Yeah, this guy. Right? We this call dude, him Crab Moses. We call him Crab Moses. We were this dude out. opened the waters unto us for crabbing. Yeah. This motherfucker was the best. Yeah. I don't know his name. I, I don't know who he is. He hung out with us and had beers with us for one day. We never In that saw one him again. Day, we, and we've never seen him again. He taught us everything. He. We went from like, Two crabs was a pretty good day to, to like, we need limit. to fucking stop. We don't have enough licenses to catch more crabs. Like this dude yeah. taught us the <laughs> secrets, right? Coolest dude ever. So like for us, water in the area where we go crabbing is like way more important, right? Than just like generalized harbor water but then you also have the difference between you know like locations whether bodega it's bay bodega versus san francisco, san francisco like or, or or san diego or, or or you know or hawaii or wherever right so there's there's a bunch of stuff like for us water from the ocean at salt point would have import because of yeah. how much we love that place yeah right or shelter or, cove or shelter cove versus or, monterey like a lot yeah. of it, it a lot of it really we also is, love monterey yeah a lot of it is like how you feel about that place but totally. also the intuition and the energies of that place if yeah. that's a place that you only go to on vacation then you're gonna have like a totally different experience with it whereas like that's your local water place yeah you know so it's yeah. it's kind of uh, a lot of those things so yeah. you can also you know you can also do that so going back to the new moon full moon eclipse moon sun water all day it's all good water, water. it's all up to you and yeah. um, when you put it out you don't necessarily have to say something i usually say something basic like 
please imbue this thing of water with the powers of that. Yeah. But like a lot of times I, my intention is to do it for the moon and then take it back in. And a lot of times I forget. So then it just sort of like also infuse the energy of these things. Yeah, that's a totally what it is. I mean, from my perspective, I mean, like when I put it out, I don't necessarily say some shit, although sometimes I say some shit. More often than not, it's just sort of like an internal monologue. Yeah. An infinite internal monologue. Uh, and I'm just like, I'm like, oh, you know, like, all right, we're putting this out there. We're trying to collect moon water, which is, you know, yeah. just it's talk to the void however you talk That's, to the void. for me it's talking to the void so it's like it's like talk to the void what's the intent here yeah if if i can get out there beforehand and pick it up before the sun comes out gangster if i pick it up like on my way out to the car when i realize as i walk past it that i put something out and fucking totally or forgot if we left it for three weeks and we both saw it and just didn't want to deal with it yeah because like we had other stuff going on and we were busy is. and like whatever yeah. that's some that's some three week outdoor Redwood water. Fuck that, you yeah. know? Now, the only thing that I really want to say also, about this... Also, don't before, fucking drink any yeah, of this Yeah, don't water. drink it. Holy shit. Um, if you want water Basic that you're going to health. drink, get water that is pre-sealed in a bottle from the store yeah. and make sure that you're bringing in at an appropriate time. And, and honestly, even if it's it sealed in a bottle from to. the store, don't leave it out in the sun. I mean, a lot of bottle, a lot of companies have transitioned to a safer plastic, but a lot of the plastics that we grew up with drinking water, drinking water out of water bottles with are fine. But the, the, UV radiation from the sun, as well as the thermal transition from cold to heat back to cold, since most of us drink cold water, uh, that tends to pull uh, toxins out of the yeah. plastic, right? So it requires the UV light and the thermal transition. But, um, you know, again, just be safe. Think, think of the food science. Would you leave a hamburger outside just sitting there for a day and then eat that? No, that's risky risky business yeah yeah don't right? ingest don't do risky things business. you shouldn't have drink game <laughs> yeah. that's our uh, PSA. Yeah. um so next question is from helena uh and helena at one point in time when i was talking to her told me that working with deities kind of scares her because she's afraid she'll accidentally upset them and i've already sort of talked to helena about this much like the question from will earlier about a fantasia but i think that this is a really great one because i get this question a lot especially on tiktok um and really the team TLDR is you don't have to be worried about accidentally upsetting a deity. Um, you know, these beings are, have been around for like a super long time. So you leaving them something as an offering, for instance, that maybe isn't their favorite, like that's not going to, they're not going to be upset about that. They're sort of beyond the level of being upset. Think of being upset as more of a, as more of a mortal coil thing. Um, and that's not to say that there aren't deities that can be actually upset, but you would have to work really hard. I'm talking like fiction novel level of difficult for to upset a deity. So the most common things that people say when they're afraid to upset a deity is leaving out the wrong offering. So the offerings that we do is typically something that we're already eating. Um, like if we're going to do an offering, we usually do them around meals and we pick up that and, um, you know, we just put some of that on the offering plate on our altar. Sometimes we're doing something that's separate from a meal and we will take like some food from the, you know, from the pantry and we'll just have a couple of bites of that. It's a, it's great if you can choose something to use as an offering, if you already like, 
are, you know, if you know that that deity is particularly liking that, um, but it's not something that you have to do by any means. And the next sort of part of that is, is when do I throw it away? I don't want to upset that deity by throwing the the offering away. This is really more for food-based offerings than it is for non-food We throw them away like the next day. Yeah, we usually throw them away the next day. We got dogs and we don't want them up on our altar space trying to eat And we don't want... Ants. Our ants are big enough that they'll steal one of us or the dogs. If if an ant decides to get squirrely, shit's just getting stolen in this house. Uh, We we have forest ants. They are huge. Um, (laughs) They stay outside. Like they're gangster. They're gangster. They stay outside. They know better. Plus, I have a garden, and you know we're outside so often that there's definitely. I mean, there's like you know bird food and fish food and plant food. So they and the ants are fine. Yeah, but um, like. I think, you know, there's there's obviously the function of intent with regard to making offerings to deities and things like that. And I I think that sometimes we sort of um, project a lot of like sort of mundy human shit into the yeah. way gods are like processing information. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. If a god knows that you're like trying your hardest and this is what you have to cuz you have to think right historically speaking people didn't have just like meat all the time to offer to gods right or or whatever yeah. and when we think about it, a lot of deities are generally connected to some sort of like boon of circumstance whether they have like like you know like drupnir the ring that makes replicas of itself overnight so that way there's always gold in asgard or like um, Thor and his boars. Yeah. Where it's like every, or. It's his goats. His goats, excuse me. Yeah. I was thinking of a different tale. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> Thor and his goats where like he can like slaughter that he can like butcher them and eat them every night and they and they recover from it. Or even in <coughs> like Greek mythology, Ambrosia, the goat who never runs out. Basically. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, a so, lot of, I mean, think of like like the golden like the golden goose or 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 any of these. A lot of our stories are about always having sustenance, and it's expected that there will be times when we don't always have it. Yeah, especially because in the old times that wasn't always a guarantee. Uh, so really, no, as far it's as that we are offering. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As far as offerings go, the thing, if you can get something that, that you're, that the particular entity that you're trying to honor particularly loves, that's great. Yeah. Um, and if you get something that you particularly love, also that is great, just as great exactly. as something that exactly. that did. Exactly. Like exactly. if I'm trying to honor, um, Persephone and she's really into pomegranates and I don't have any pomegranates, but I have nectarines and nectarines are like one of my favorite fruits. She is right. going to love that just as much. Yeah. Um, but so you want to have it be <coughs> something that you enjoy also. Yeah. Um, well, and, and remember that all of our practices are individual, right? Yeah. They're specific and individual, right? Julie and I practice incredibly different things, right? So take that into account. When your friend says, hey, this was this is what I did, right? If you're if it's not what you're vibing with, then it's not what you're vibing with, right? Yeah. Like rock yeah. and roll. Yeah, like Alexa says she gives her blueberries because she loves blueberries. That's that's a that is a perfect example. Yeah. Where it's like it's like it, it's the intent of giving a thing that you love. Now, are you eating steak and lobster and you are giving corners of dried bread to your to your <laughs> Uh, offering to these gods yeah they're gonna be pissed 
because they just saw you eat steak and lobster and they're getting like crumbs. Yeah. You know, the fuck that about steak kind of a crumbs. situation. Yeah. Right? Now, so that like that's that's the that's the thing that you need to like are you are you making just some bullshit offering because like whatever you're trying to well then like you're being kind of the bad person in this situation so like of course a deity would be upset with you just like blatantly being a monster to a god what kind of yeah, fucking crazy yeah. person now right it doesn't mean that they'll necessarily be mad like they're not going to curse you they're not going oh, to hex no. you they're, they're not just going to gonna definitely you. not help you because you're a dick not gonna help you. right so the thing that <laughs> yeah. the thing that i think is probably like the most common with this is a deity will like someone will be working with a deity and they want to preserve that relationship but also sometimes when you're working with the deity they'll ask for something and you don't do it and then you know as a as a human if i ask you to do something and you don't do it like i'm probably gonna be a little annoyed but deities don't really work that way they don't have that same kind of like like emotional response. Yeah. So if you're working with a deity and they tell you to do something in order to continue to work with them and for them to help you and you don't do that, you're going to get a little annoyed. They're probably going to have less time for you. So as a, as an example, and I, I think I've talked about this before in other episodes, when I first started working with uh, Aphrodite, I was in a really bad place mentally. I have, I have battled depression and anxiety my whole life. And um, I brought worshiping and working with Aphrodite in to help me through some of the self-love issues that I had been having and going through. And in the beginning, she asked me to do things, not bad things. She was just like every, you know, a couple of things. Like one of them was every time you look at yourself in the mirror, think about something that you love about what you see looking in the mirror. I didn't do that at all. So the next time I tried to commune with Aphrodite, she she literally told me like, you didn't do what I told you to do. I don't have time for you. Um, and that was exactly what I needed to kind of get with that. So that's yeah. kind of a good way to think about, like, if you're working with a deity and they're asking you to do a thing to be part of that worship and you're just not doing that thing, it's fine if you haven't had time to do that thing. They get that. They understand <coughs> that. But if you're asking them for help, what should I do? And they tell you to do a thing and you don't do it. Like, first of all, it's kind of a dick move. But second of all, they're just going to be like, okay, well, I don't have, like, I don't have infinite energy. I'm not going to work with you until you show me that you're serious about doing this. And working with the deity is different than worshiping a deity. Um, and I'm specifically talking about working with deities or spirits as opposed to worshiping them which is typically thought of as a bit more one-sided mm. where you're leaving them offerings and you're doing things and sometimes you receive guidance and, and knowledge from them but you're primarily always worshiping them as opposed to like working with aphrodite like a therapist which is kind of like what i a little bit do yeah no, yeah yeah totally totally, yeah. totally so no you will not upset deities and if you do have a deity yeah. that gets upset with you maybe that was a trickster spirit posing as a deity and that's a whole other thing about bad spirits we've got yeah, we'll, an episode we'll planned for that, that. Yeah. do not worry about that <laughs> it's it is it's kind of something that you have to be asking for to have happen or to have incredibly bad luck so yeah. it is super rare for somebody to have bad spirits attached to them that are upset yeah. and well, generally and, and when somebody tells you you have a bad spirit attached to you and they're upset and you have to do something that is usually someone scamming you for money so if yeah. that situation happens you need to really take a step back and think about things in a mundane like non-magical sense like what's going on yeah yeah totally yeah totally. all right 
Next question. Next question. Next question. Uh, Miranda asked, when doing an altar, do you have to have a silver and gold candle for the goddess and god? Also, is there anything that absolutely has to be a part of your altar and anything you shouldn't place on your altar as well? So. All right. B- 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 before you get started in this, <laughs> let me tell you what. I've never heard of the gold and silver candle for the god and the goddess. No, okay. I, and I, know, I don't know. I don't learn you some stuff. I'm not. I'm not. That's not part of my shit, so I don't know stuff, but I've definitely never heard that. <laughs> and also, there are no rules. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. There are so, no rules. First, I want to... Wanna... If somebody's like, there are rules to this, you have to do it this way, guess what? That's that person's rules. You can make those your rules if they're fair rules, right? But like, other than don't be an asshole, no rules. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I had to, first I had I to say to... that because I was like, silver and gold candles. <laughs> Holy shit. That sounds dope. Also, I don't even, those are so hard to find. I know. Like, I, like that sounds awesome on a personal standpoint. I mean, I don't like gold. I prefer the color silver. But like, but like, I, man, I haven't seen a fucking silver or gold candle since like, I, mean, I don't know, maybe the last time we went to Michael's well, or something. Well, now, is, like the holidays is like a good time to get those kind of yeah, yeah, candles. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this is, hmm, so the silver cool. and gold candle for the god and goddess thing is something that sort of stems out of Gardnerian Wicca. So this is oh, something shit. that was okay. super cool, popular cool. in Wicca and definitely has sort of like moved along like into different cultures. So no, you don't have to have a silver and gold candle for the goddess and God. And also, no, you don't even necessarily have to have that um, if you're Wiccan. But if you if you ha- if you have it and you're not Wiccan, that's OK, too. So really, the altar is whatever you want it to be and also wherever you want or have the ability for it to be for anybody who is in the closet. So when you're doing an altar, and I in an ideal world, you would have an altar space that you have that you have the ability to put offerings on, that you have the ability to put any magical tools that you use on, and that you have the ability to put any like idols crystals herbs spell jars on we happen to be very lucky because we are both out of the closet and we have an absolutely gigantic altar it is on you know like think about an old tiny dresser those big long oh, ones we, we both we both have like we seven are, feet of altar oh, yeah, space we have like seven feet Com- of altar combined space. between we our practicing altar so we can and put then stuff on it spillover altar what we'll do is and and this will lead into into our announcement which is coming up very shortly now uh we 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 will do like an altar space wow this um the intro to Spawn is just really attacking our faces. Yeah, it's flashing very lights. flashing lights. It's fine. Jeez. It's fine. I, I didn't. Know. I didn't realize. Um, but uh, no, we'll do like an uh, altar space tour at some point in time. Yeah. Because uh, also we change our altar a lot. Yeah, we typically change our altar up with every Sabbath, mostly because we need to clean and dust and everything. Yeah, so fifty percent clean, fifty percent on... because we want to decorate. In our ever expanding decorations, I mean, we still have like like um, Lunar New Year. We still have Halloween decorations up in some places, and it's because we don't. Yeah. Li- I mean, one, we don't like use like dumb we cheap still have decorations. Halloween decorations up from the very first year we moved into this house. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Part of it is that we, we don't do like dumb ago. cheapo style <laughs> decorations, but also when we buy decorations, we put them up. We put them up with intent and purpose, and we enjoy them. And it makes the house like lived in and bright and colorful and decorated. Yeah. And it's fun. And like sometimes those decorations will stay up for a long time and then we take them down. Sometimes they stay up until they like wear out. Yeah. Um, you know, and sometimes we just kind of forget that it's not 
the time for that decoration. And then we're like, oh, shit, we should take that down and put it's it away. It's a little bit like those Christmas movies where they're like, Christmas is all year long. Um, it's yeah. a little like that. You're sort of extending the feeling. But it, when we do our episodes, I try to use magical space because n- not everyone has the ability to have an altar for a variety of reasons. And some of those being that you're not really out of the closet or it's not really feasible for you to have an altar. Like I see that Alexa uses a small box for her mini altar at work. And I also have a tiny altar space at work, but mine's like a piece of art and like a little holder for like a tarot card. So like everybody's a little bit different with that. And it can be more complicated if you don't have the space or if you're in the closet and can't really practice openly. So really think of your altar as the place where you feel the most comfortable to do your magic. If that happens to be in your kitchen because you're a kitchen witch, great. If that's in the bathroom because it's the only time that you get to be by yourself, that's also fine. If it's a giant seven foot long dresser in your house, that's totally okay too. Um, it's it's where it, it's it's where and how you feel safe. So doing an altar for somebody who's in the closet is a bit more complicated because you may have opposing religious influences happening there that you kind of have to contend with. Yeah. But for the most part, a lot of people are able to have art up in their rooms. They're able to have other sort of artifacts that can do double duty as magic. For a long time when I was a closeted witch, I kept everything in a wicker box and I only pulled it out when I was all by myself. And I only did magic when I was all by myself. And that wasn't because anybody was particularly um, upset about me doing magic. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have anybody who was like having a problem with me being uh, uh, out of the closet. I just didn't feel comfortable being out of the closet for a long time. So your altar is your own personal magic space and you put anything on there that you want. The only thing I will recommend for not putting on your altar is, um, you know, like, don't leave rotten food. Uh, There are some people who say that Hecate works best with rotten food, and that's fine. I'm just saying that's a food hazard. Um, Just be food safe, If you have animals or or small children, try not to put things on your altar that if they can reach it, that would hurt them, whether by swallowing large objects or things like chocolate. Um, We try to remove food from our altar pretty quickly because we don't want our animals getting curious and getting up there because they have definitely done that in our territory. It's up off the ground, but we also have a full-grown German shepherd, so he can just (laughs) get on... He's like 90 pounds! Yeah, he can just get on the counter and eat whatever he wants. He chooses not to because he knows... RKO yeah. out of precisely also, where he um, you know, if you have an altar, you have like candles or other flames, make sure those aren't like touching anything, you know, just yeah. kind of like basic stuff. Yeah. You know, there's really there the sky's the limit. You can do whatever you want for your altar. Exactly. And you can also just sort of like keep an altar in your mind if you are a minimalist like that. There are some people that do um, magic who they just they don't have stuff like an altar. Their yeah. altar is always in their you mind. You can palace. also keep a digital altar yeah you can make pinterest a digital altar yeah you can make pinterest a digital altar so and this is a again one of those things we'll talk about in future episodes but um a digital space is exactly as real as a real life space and especially when you put intent behind it a digital altar if you are uh in a place where having a large physical altar is not doesn't work with you would be Perfectly acceptable. It's exactly the same as like a mind altar or like for me, I cover I have like a bunch of like tattoos. Right. So that's sort of like a yeah. like for an me, altar of the body. So a exactly. little bit of an altar. As exactly. Well. Yeah. Yeah. They same with me. So and I've things. always I've always like 
like kind of spread out my uh, statuary and otherwise Lee magical accoutrement uh, sort of everywhere in my space. And my space sort of spills over into the kitchen. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we've, we've definitely got like a lot of space. Uh, yeah. And Alexa well, I mean, did we can just like openly match to place, um, so. also be careful of toxic gems. So, you know, yeah. that's also a thing to keep in mind that some things you shouldn't put in your mouth or have other people put in their mouth. But also, like, if you've got like your tarot cards, you got like nice statues, got like altar cloths and stuff um, there. Be careful with any sort of like liquids or foods that you're putting there. You don't want to knock stuff over. Yeah. Like I am the worst because I literally have two glasses of liquids sitting on yeah. my altar right now. She knocks shit and over I all, the time. all the time. And I Man, knock stuff over crazy. all the time. So you just want to be careful <laughs> primarily for practical reasons. Yeah. But you can put anything on your altar. You yeah, want. of course. Yeah. But, you know, but and Alexa hits a good point. Be safe. Think about it. You know, don't put don't put bale of hay above a candle or some fucking yeah, crazy there's shit. there's our other drinking game. Fire like, safe. Like, like be, yeah, be fire <laughs> safe. Be logically safe about this stuff. And, and what, what I would say with an altar space is don't let, don't limit your own creativity because of whatever heterogeneous, normalized nonsense we've been taught about this was, right? Yeah. I mean, like, when we first started having an altar space, when we got... Because we didn't... I mean, we kind of had an altar space at the old house, but, like, not really. But not really. But, like, not yeah. really. But when we bought this place, we we started with an altar space. And initially, our altar space was, like, like a small little thing outside that was, like, we really only touched during Sabbaths. And then, like, as time progressed, we started developing a more complex altar space. And now it's mostly the whole house. Um, but like our altar space is, you know, I built this like three tier shelf thing for our altar space so that we had storage, uh, for like tarot cards and, and books and such like that. We also have, um, so like I have a personal altar space and Julie has a personal altar space. And then we have like a group altar space at the, on the top shelf where like right now that's a combination of like offerings spell jars and tiny town for yule because we love tiny town for yule we technically have two tiny towns we have a regular tiny town and then a very tiny tiny town so we have two tinynesses it's fairy sized <laughs> um so we have like that sort of altar space uh and then we have like what i would call overflow altar space which for me is like an eight foot shelf three four foot shelves and a whole bookcase because Mostly the living room and hallway are mine. Yeah. And for me, it's <laughs> and the kitchen stuff. and the bathroom. So. <laughs> and, for, and for Julie, yeah, it's the kitchen and the bathroom. Um, just because, we, you know, we have a t uh, small house. But yeah. um, And you also don't have to have just one altar, right? Yeah. There are certain well, people we have that have different altars. But we also places. have, like, what, like, I always have my, like, like, in my laptop bag, I have my, like, travel tarot card set. And I also have the, like like nothingness the like satori space of like meditation yeah which yeah. you know like for me is always important um and uh you know we also have you know then you also have like tattoos which i'm always like what am i gonna add next in my tattoos um yeah you know yeah. so yeah it's sort of everywhere like i mean honestly i feel more comfortable doing like a full room i use tarot most of the time nowadays i feel more comfortable doing a full room drawing on like the hood of my truck than i do in my altar space yeah because i've done so much rune work 
like outside on the hood of a truck because that was the like space where I was like away from people enough and like in a good enough place. Yeah. You know, just like a beer and like a piece of cloth and my runes on the hood of my truck. And that was for years. My altar space was the hood of whatever vehicle I drove. Yeah. You know, and I know that sounds kind of crazy, but like that's, you know, that's just that's just what I did. So for me, it's like it's like an ever present thing. Like when I travel, you know, I generally bring a book wrapped in an altar cloth. I bring runes um, and like a like a thing for fire, which is like a protective thing and like a knife, which is like a safety thing. And so like, I, you know, it's kind of one of those things where you can lay out like a like, yeah, I can't have a candle, but like I can lay out a lighter and a knife, which are representative of what you have, like the greater altar space, you know, and then like my cloth tarot cards, runes or whichever I brought. Yeah. And then like whatever food or offering I'm making or anything like that. It's one of those things where I don't actively think about it, but almost every place we travel to, I sort of like bring a micro altar space. Yeah. In like in my laptop bag and all that kind of stuff. But I would also consider my laptop and like like laptop, cell phone, iPad, whatever I'm bringing. But generally when I don't leave the house without my laptop, that's a pretty rare bird. Yeah. Unless we're doing like just regular grocery shopping. If I travel at all, I bring my laptop with me. And so like for me, that's part of that digital altar space, you know, and like doing the Book of Shadows pages, which I will working on. We've had a real busy few weeks. Yeah. In real life. Wow. <laughs> yes. And and honestly, just, I mean, it's been it's been a bit just to keep up with the Etsy shop and things like that. So. Yes. yes. Yeah. So. So Miranda <laughs> we're on asked if we can do a video sometime showing off our altar. Yeah. Absolutely. We're totally going to do that. on the plan. Yes. Because it's uh, coming up for Yule. That video will probably be on our TikTok and on our um, Instagram channels. And we may do that as shorts on YouTube, depending yeah. on kind of how that goes. So, Yes. Um, and we have, there are more questions, but this is all that we really have time for right now. So if there are more questions that you have, definitely, definitely let us know, send them to us. Um, and we will, if if the list of questions, if, if, if it's not being covered in a podcast that we have upcoming already and it gets out of hand, we may do, um, we may do more of these live stream sort of things. Well, and that brings us to so, the big announcement. Yeah, our big announcement is that for 2022, uh, Horn and Cauldron podcast is it going to expand to a weekly endeavor? Woo! So, which is um, which is pretty exciting. It's it's a bit of work, but what we're planning on doing is the podcast as it currently sits is going to continue every other week the way that it is. But on the off weeks, when we don't have full-length podcast episodes, we are going to do smaller, shorter-length... Um, sort of like fireside chat. Yeah, we'll fireside chat. We'll be talking chats. about our magical adventures. We'll answer questions from listeners. Yeah, we'll answer questions. So we'll do, like, pra- we'll do like, <laughs> practice, um, like, ritual practice stuff, whether it's, like, what are we doing for um, a blot? What, what are we doing for food? during a blot or something to that extent yeah. as well as like other weird small magical stuff like i mean well you know we could do an episode just on like candles yeah we'll probably It'll do a thing just on candles because i make candles topics so. that aren't quite long enough to be a full episode yeah some some so, topics are a little shorter yeah and, and these will be much shorter episodes these are probably going to be 15 to like say 30 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, 15 to 45 so minutes. They're going to be shorter to absorb. Exactly. Exactly. And those will still exist 
Um, those will exist here on YouTube and will probably also exist on a podcast streaming thing. I'm not a hundred percent on how to do that. We haven't figured out all the details yeah. yet, like what we should call this show. Yeah. Oh, also, we don't have a bloody because name we don't for know. this. Yes, exactly. Uh, Alexa brought it like, like the altar tour. Like the altar tour is a perfect example of what we're going to do for this. So we will actually probably do a Yule altar tour as a standalone separate episode but then we'll do like a proper altar tour like we're going to be doing a lot just it's a lot of small yeah. stuff that we want to do like magical stuff that we want to do and share yeah that and like also, can't like, justify me setting everything up yeah. for an hour and a half podcast yeah and also like as i'm researching information for podcasts i come across a, a lot of really interesting and odd things that yeah. aren't specific to the episodes that i'm researching but are still interesting <laughs> and we also read uh books on magic so we'll be kind of like talking a horn and cauldron pub night oh, i like good. that i like good. that a lot i was like cauldron chat i don't know we can't do horn chat that sounds weird that sounds uh, sexual <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. so that's what we're going to be doing that is the big announcement we're very excited yeah, yeah we're going to, to bring uh, this every to, week um every week at least sort of sort of uh, yeah. so what we've got coming up is the next episode will be in two weeks if you're listening to this like right when it comes out or right now on the live stream and that will be yule 102 so last year we did yule 101 and we're going to talk more about yule there's, there's so tons much tons of cool stuff Holy that we're going to talk heck. about we like barely touched on krampus yeah yeah so you know this oh, year so as the sabbats go on we're going to be talking more in depth about certain aspects of them and also provide some <laughs> Um, uh, like small basic rituals that can be used for these particular yeah. sabbats. So we're very excited for um, the 102 series. And um, we've got a bunch of really great episodes uh, planned for 2022. Yeah, we've gone over 2022. We've got a plan for like 99% of the year. But um, we do still have the ability to take on yeah. additional episodes if, that anybody if has If there's something timely or there's a request, um... Yeah, we could obviously everything's designed to move. We have a we have a system. Um <laughs> I have a system. He participates. Yeah, she has uh, a so, system. I'm yeah, just here for color system. commentary. Yeah, so we've got a bunch of really great episodes planned for 2022. But if there's anything in particular that you as a listener or a watcher on YouTube, I guess is a little bit more accurate there. Yeah. Um, really want to hear more about, let us know. Because that definitely informs some of our choices. And just because we said that we already planned out 2022 doesn't mean that it's like set in stone. Like most yeah. did not come well, down. And, Chisel that and the rock. Those, those plans that we have for 2022 are just for the prime episodes the yeah hour and a half to two hour long primary episodes of uh horn and cauldron podcast so um obviously if there's a suggestion that we feel is coverable in like 45 minutes like like quick style yeah then we can obviously always answer questions i mean you know i kind of plan on having this be these these new episodes be like we want these like to a, be a chill hangout discussion and then episodes. a couple of questions answered yeah. at the end you know, I mean, for me, from my perspective, those were like the shows that I watched a lot as a kid was like, here's an episode of a show. At the end of the episode, we're going to answer fan questions. Yeah. Uh, if you remember yeah. those kind of like shows for kids in the 90s, early 90s. Yeah. Um, so those are like my jam. We're going to have like more of a casual vibe. It's going to yeah. not, we're probably not going to go into 
quite as heavy of topics as we do in the main podcast. Looking at you, Odinism and toxic internet witchcraft. Oh my god, yeah. Um, so our, we need to do another be a toxic bit more internet lighthearted there, and um, you know we'll we'll kind of get into that stuff. But it's definitely something that's evolving, and we're excited to be able to share more of what we do with you and yeah. to further create the you know the community that we have here because yeah. we super love you guys we're so thrilled for you to this is fun be here man. And listening to us our our whole our whole three listeners yeah thank you yeah. you're all the best <laughs> no yeah, yeah no it's yeah this is this is uh it's a fun community and we enjoy doing this and we're just gonna uh keep trucking along and growing and trying yeah. to make this like more dope. Yeah. So uh, upcoming, we're gonna be doing an altar tour, then altar tour, yeah. and a video and the standard episode for Yule 102. We're not exactly sure when that altar tour will happen, but yeah. it will happen soon. Yeah, we're gonna do um, it. We're gonna do that. And then our first episode in 2022 will be a deep dive on the Dagda, yeah. which is a, a deity in Celtic. Uh, mythology and magical practice. Yep. And um, after that, we'll start doing these new shows every other week. So we've got, you've got a lot of us in your future. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's yeah. going to be fun. We got a 2022 is going to be a resurgence in stuff on the YouTube channel. Um, we just, we got to get back into that. This, this holiday season has been yeah. just yeah. And if busy. You're, uh, if you're and we're in adding us. more stuff every day yeah. to uh, the Etsy shop. If you're supporting us over there, um, we're going to we have a bunch of new tie dye stuff to photograph. We also have um, beeswax candles, candles as well coming. as intention candles. So we've got beeswax candles and intention candles of varying sizes uh, that I'm getting. Into. I've been making candles for like years um, but I like I'm finally confident in the way that they look enough to put them online, uh, even though I've been making candles and, and giving them to friends and family for for a yeah, very long yeah. time. And I'm getting there with the goddess figurines. Yeah. It's, oh, my uh, God. She's making huge. We'll do maybe we'll do a like where we are in projects. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Video. So we got a lot of stuff to do. So, yeah, we've got a lot uh, of stuff coming. to cover. So if you really want if you like what we do and you want to support us, our Etsy shop is one way to support us. And another way is our Patreon. Yep. We have a Patreon uh, tier specific to the podcast. And um, there's a hangout that we do monthly, uh, which is coming up. Yep. Um, technically, that probably should have been this last weekend, but that's its own thing. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Uh, and um, there's also a Discord server as well as um, pages for the podcasts and for um, like your Book of Shadows yes. pages. I am working on those. It is a incredibly intensive. Let me tell you what. Um, I put uh, probably more heart and soul than I than I rightfully should into making sure that those turn out the way that they yeah. look. I mean, the map on one took a while, but it turned out really good. I just got that finished, so that should be uploaded like today, as soon as we're done with this. Um, but yeah, so uh, Book of Shadows pages, as well as a bunch of other stuff that we're working yep. on. You know, it's, it's one of those million to be projects. Bigger and better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's coming soon. That's coming soon, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, thank you very much, everybody, for hanging out with us. You guys have been fucking awesome. This has been super fun. Yeah, thank you guys for um, making this first year a great one. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. We'll have to do more live We're stuff. We're excited for more. Yeah. So uh, we will catch you guys next time. Uh, this has been the Horn and Cauldron podcast. podcast. I have been John Norgrove. This has been Julie Norgrove. And we will catch you guys on the flip side. 
uh, stay frosty, y'all. Yeah. And don't forget. I forgot the thing I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Breathe in self-confidence yes, and breathe out self-doubt. I was like, I said I it. And I was it. like, oh my God, that's the thing that it's I okay. say and I it's forgot okay. it. It's okay. She got it. Don't.